So I want to welcome you this morning to One Heart Church and thank you for, um, for, for you being here. And I know that God wants to take us from what we know into what we can't know, what we don't know, what we'll never know without his revelation power. So we're going to pray just for a second. So I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray for you this morning and believe that God's going to do something, start something in your life this morning. So dear Heavenly Father, from every person here in this place, every family represented in this place, I pray that we may see breakthrough and understand the the anointing of your spirit more and more. I pray, Lord God, that people's hearts will be open, our ears will be able to hear, our eyes will be able to see, and our spirits be fully awakened to what you're wanting to do in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, moving on in our uh, series of the supernatural this morning, I do encourage you to have a listen to our podcast, get on our uh, website or on our uh, wherever else it is you find it. I'm not tech savvy that much. But uh, find, find One Heart Church and listen to our podcast and you'll hear the messages uh, on the supernatural that we've been preaching this year. But I just want to encourage you to have a listen to the one on um, Bethel, the house of God. Because I really, un- I really believe that there is a misunderstanding in church today of the importance of Bethel in your life. Bethel means the house of God. So there's a little commercial go back a few weeks ago, you'll hear that, you'll see the title on that um, podcast, Bethel, and have a listen to that, and I think it will change you, challenge you, and help you understand how important fellowship is coming together as a church. But I want to introduce a principle to you this morning, a principle of God that I believe will have you totally mystified, because it doesn't make any sense. And it's good to have John Elizabeth Rogers with us again this morning. Let's uh, honour them today. Some. Pastor John and Elizabeth, they were pastoring at Kimber for uh, probably 15 years, I believe, and they've retired. And so I want to say, well done for uh, pastoring for so long. You need a medal, and uh, it's good that you you still love the Lord and you're you're coming to church with us this morning. Maybe they don't love people, but they still love the Lord, but no, that's not true. Oh, that's being naughty. But uh, this principle that I want to share with you this morning has no logical It has no scientific or any other explanation because it cannot be explained. It it is completely supernatural. So um, I want to introduce to you the principle of God. Now, I've never heard anyone preach this. This is just sort of something I've stumbled upon myself. It's the principle of nothing is everything. I told you, who's already mystified? This is going to mess you up. Nothing is everything when it comes to God. So to our, to our mind, to our thinking, um, our ability to comprehend this. I want to do you some, some mathematical formulas for you this morning. Hopefully you understand this. Who was good at maths? I was good at looking at the birds in maths class outside. Bird, birds, like the magpies and all that type of thing. But here, here you go. So if you're, really, if you're math, mathematical, hopefully this makes sense. Nothing plus nothing will equal nothing. I should have a whiteboard up here. So if you were to multiply nothing, you'll still end with nothing. So you multiply nothing, you have nothing. If you added nothing to nothing, you will have nothing. You're good good this morning. 
If you divide nothing with nothing, you will have nothing. If you minus nothing from nothing, you will still have nothing. You can't add nothing to nothing and have more of nothing. Because nothing is always nothing. (laughs) Some people are like, I hate maths. Mariah, you just don't say anything. But there's a principle of mathematics. Nothing has no power over anything. So who remembers about power over? That's when I switched off from maths. You learn that in mathematics, that that numbers, certain numbers have power over other numbers. But nothing has no power over anything. So in our logical, worldly sense, our physical sense, nothing can never have power over anything else. Nothing can't, you can't create anything out of nothing. But it's a principle of mathematics, nothing has no power over anything else. Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles, the the scriptures will pop up. But if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to to look at the scriptures there. Um, In this, this morning, I'm using a few different versions of the Bible, that's okay. But uh, this one here is from the New International Version. It says, in the beginning, a a little bit got cut off, but in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I want to introduce this aspect of God to you today from starting from this verse, from the very first uh, verse of the Bible, and I want to, to take a quick look at, at a couple of words there that it, it describes it here as things were formless and empty. We're going to have a little closer look at that. So in the Good News translation, if we're going to look at a few different uh, English versions of the Bible, that, that's what I'm meaning if you're not familiar with church. Um, I'm going to say things, hopefully I explain my way through so that you understand, but I'm going to talk about different versions of the Bible because if you're not familiar with the Bible, we're really good at, at, at um, uh, trying to make the Bible palatable to us in different ways, so we've got lots of different uh, interpretations of the Bible, but the truth never changes. So the, 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 the main factor of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came and gave himself as a pure living sacrifice and he died in our place so that if we believe in him and repent of our sins, he's, he will forgive us and cleanse us and cause us to live in eternity with, with God in heaven forever and ever. Amen. That's the main thrust of the Word of God. So I want to encourage you today, you can, you can have Jesus Come and cleanse you of your sin. So it's not about, so I'm going to preach this morning, but it's not about God's going to give you a mystery box full of great things in your life. The main and and greatest purpose that Jesus has for you is that your sins will be forgiven, that your spiritual condition will be dealt with, and that can only happen through Jesus Christ. So I got a bit passionate there, sorry. Um, I should have put a little warning there. But in the Good News translation, those words used, uh, it's described as formless and desolate. They're up there. I think they should be coming up soon. In the King James Version, who loves the King James Version? Who thinks it's the only version? It's okay. So do we. Plus the others are good fun to listen to. But the King James Version uses words like without form and void. 
The New International Version, we've already, uh, no, we haven't, yeah, we have seen that one, Formless and Emptiness. Uh, the Message Bible sums it up really well, nothingless, bottomless, emptiness. Now, I'm going through all that to, to paint a picture. The word void means containing nothing, it's empty space. Desolate means bleak emptiness and nothing. So when the Bible starts off in Genesis there, talking about the earth, it's just saying basically matter, space, was formless and void. There was nothing there. There was nothing. And God is supernatural. That's one of the main things I want us to try and uh, grapple with over the next few months is the supernatural power of God. God is a supernatural being, and what God does with nothing is everything. Well, that deserved something better than that. Just the... With a supernatural God, nothing is everything. We can't do anything with nothing, but God can do everything and anything with nothing. So in the beginning, God created everything out of nothing. And we think, well, how can that be? But God is supernatural and does things beyond natural laws, beyond the rules of, of, of the, the world in which we know, the, the rules of the universe, the rules of, of everything that we would know, that we can measure, that we can contend with. God doesn't have to live under any of those parameters. God is supernatural. He does things beyond the natural. So some of the things that God does that I, I'm always amazed with is salvation is supernatural. There's so many people, even people here this morning, who've, who've spoken to me and said, well, I don't believe in God. I don't think there is a God. I, I, they label themselves with, with certain labels that says that they don't want God in their life. And after a, a period of time, they say, hey, you know what? Something's changed. I think I want to be baptized. That's supernatural. Where does that come from? It comes from a power of God. Where there was nothing spiritual, something has been birthed. That excites me. A prophecy is supernatural. I believe in the prophetic word. I believe that God wants to encourage his church. God wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage people with a prophetic word that only flows from the Holy Spirit into our lives that, that brings correction, direction, encouragement, whatever else. I believe in that. It's supernatural. We want to have the prophetic in the, in the church. We want to have tongues. That's supernatural. Yes, I said it. We say it in church here. We speak in tongues. It's okay. It's in the Bible. It was the power of God that was poured out upon the early church so that it could be effective, so that it could, you know, in one day, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached and 5,000 people got saved. I don't, I don't want to argue about the, the, the validity of it. I just want to say, wow, let's have that kind of preaching. Miracles are supernatural. So when Jesus thought about you, when Jesus thought about the church, it was so that we could have a supernatural experience. So that we wouldn't have to just live confined to the elements of the natural. So when you come to believe Jesus, that's totally supernatural. It's not normal. It's supernatural. Let's not get comfortable so used to living without supernatural things that we think that that's normal. I want to encourage you this morning, desire a new normal in your life. You know, and the hardest people who can deal with that are people who grew up in church. Because you get so used to normal, you get so used to coming along to when the song's going to be finished, uh, you know, whatever. That we, 
we create for ourselves a normal that cuts out the supernatural. But I, I want us as a church to go on a journey together where we're desiring for things that just don't make any sense you know, in, the, in the physical because they're supernatural things, they're spiritual things. And again, I want to, I want to put, a, put a little um, tagline on the thing. Supernatural doesn't mean that that gives us license to be weird in church. Because some people thought, oh, he's talking supernatural. That means that here's my license. Watch this. No, draw attention to yourself. No, no, no. It's about having the power of God in every circumstance and situation that, that you can say, I can walk through this. I can go through the darkest valley. I can go through the challenges. I can deal with life. Mm, that's a good, interesting story there. I can deal with life because I have a supernatural power so that when the wheels fall off my cart, when the wheels fall off the wagon, I don't stop. I just turn to my supernatural provision. So I've got two examples for us today from, from the Bible that bring this message home in a way we can, hopefully we can use and take home with us. But I want us to use nothing for our advantage. Use nothing for your advantage. You think, how can you do that? Doesn't make any sense. If I've got nothing, how am I ever going to do, do anything with that? You know what? You take that nothing and you say, Jesus, here's my nothing. And you just see what Jesus will do. So here's some examples. John chapter 4, verse 9. It's a story where, it's one of my favorite stories. It's one that I just keep looking at, reading about, and just, just I'm, I'm just amazed with this story. It's a woman at the well in Samaria. She's, she's a person who Jesus should never talk to as a Jew. Um, the, the, you know, there's all sorts of you know, um, reasons why Jesus should never have ever stopped to talk to her. But it says this in, in John chapter 9. Uh, we're going to read to verse 11 there. It's up on the screen. This woman, it, it, this is the woman's answer to Jesus. Oh, I think I've got it more here. Uh, what does it say here? She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. So she's a Samaritan Jew. They don't like each other. That's why she's saying that. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. It's like two different, two different cultures have nothing to do with each other. They, they don't love each other. They hate each other. And also, in that culture, in that time, men didn't normally talk to women. That's still the same way in some parts of the world. I went to, I went to Jordan when I was young and, and foolish. And I was in Jordan. I went, to the, I went to this person's house, and there was lots of women there, lots, lots, of, lots of Pakistani women. And I'm like, Aussie boy, just go and talk to the girls. And I'm like, they're like, like a shame job. I'm like, what? How come no one wants to talk to me around here? And then someone said to me, Oh, no, you don't talk to the women. You can't do that. You don't do that here. But I didn't know. But it was like that in these days where a man wouldn't just go across the room and talk to a woman just freely like that. So she said, Jesus said, um, Sorry, I'll just go back. Let me read it. That'll get me calm back down. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? 
So here's this woman, and all she can see is what she doesn't have, or what Jesus doesn't have. Now I want to swap the verses 10 and 11 around, if I can have license to do that this morning, and have Jesus reply after she has the question. So we who know Jesus, Christians, if you're a believer here today, often are asking Jesus questions like that. And we're limited by what we don't have, but Jesus is unlimited with what he has. So if we were to swap those verses around and, and have the question first, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is deep. Where would you get this living water? And then if we were to read it, Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to. I want to encourage you this morning. You could be looking at the things you don't have. Well, I haven't got a car. I I haven't got enough money. I haven't got a job or I haven't got a relationship or all these things that we haven't got. Just don't have the resources. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the confidence. I don't have all these different things. And if we were to saying that like this woman is saying, but you don't have a rope or a bucket. You've got no chance and Jesus said if only you knew the gift that God has for you so this morning I want you to start asking yourself that question do I know the gift that God has for me do I know who's standing before me and I want to put it to you this morning Jesus is close by if you'll only look for him if you'll only seek after him he'll be found And you know, this year, I've said this before, I've found myself repenting of my own limited perspectives and reminding myself of who's standing before me. And Jesus is saying in every situation, every situation of lack, if only you knew who you're speaking to and the gift God has for you. I'm I'm really working hard. Not to say things that that have been so normal in my vocabulary. One of the things I would always find myself saying, probably once a week, well, we've got to know as a church, as a leader of the church, I'd say we've got to know our limitations. We can't do everything. I'd say about my time, well, I've got to know my limitations. But I'm working hard not to say that anymore. Rather, I want to speak about the gift that God has for me. I want to speak about the gift that God has for the church. I want to talk about the gift that God has for the world. I want to talk about the gift that God has and who's speaking in front of me. Not limit myself by my own natural perspectives. So I don't need to know my limitation. I need to know my limitless God. That's what I need to know. I know my limitations. This woman saying, Jesus, you've got limitations. You don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. There's your limitations. How are you going to do anything? And Jesus is speaking supernatural and she's only thinking natural. And I want to encourage you this morning, every circumstance that you face, it may just seem like you're standing by a well, there's no rope, there's no bucket, there's, no, there's no, nothing for you, no, no provision, nothing, nothing, nothing. You've got to say, Jesus, will you take the nothing, will you take the lack and do something supernatural? Because Jesus will always talk into your supernatural world and you can only be, sometimes, we're only interpreting things to the natural. I want you to break through, church, this morning. I want you to break through into the supernatural this year. Don't be comfortable living with a, with a natural experience of church, but saying, God, I need your touch. Jesus, I need you to show me the way forward. God, Lord, 
you know, and I'll tell you something, if you will let Jesus deal with your sin, everything else will start to, to skyrocket in your life. The problem is we say, oh, Jesus, I want the fun. Jesus, give me a box full of prizes. Jesus, give me something. Give me, give me some, some things. And then I'll trust you. I believe in you. No, Jesus is saying, give me that, that load of sin. Turn from it. Repent from it. And you'll see your world will just go. I'm telling you the truth. You don't need a new car. You don't need a new house. You don't need a new husband. You don't need a new wife. You don't need a new tattoo. You need to say, Jesus, deal with the sin. Oh, mamma mia. It's better than spaghetti and meatballs. I'll give you one more story this morning. Luke chapter 9, verses 12 to 17. Oh, I'll try and do it justice for you this morning. It says, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is what? Nothing. Nothing to eat here in this remote place. See, I just want to take a few moments just to camp on a few things here. It says all the disciples, the 12, that's all of them. They all came to him. They all saw a problem. They all had a problem. There's nothing. In this case, there was nothing to eat. But I'm just thinking, you, you sometimes we can, we can all, all be disciples, all believers. And, and you know, I, I'm not really much into the gang mentality, the pack mentality. And sometimes we think we're safe because we can go to the pastor, we can go to the, our leader, we can go to the, the department leaders and say, we all can see the problem here. Jimmy, the whole music team comes to you and say, man, we all agree, we all see this problem. There's no safety in numbers, in spiritual things. Don't think because you got the whole crowd barracking for your cause, doesn't mean anything. It means you're all wrong. And they were all wrong that day. So all the disciples had the problem. They could see the problem. They had nothing to eat. There's nothing. What did they have to eat? Nothing. Nothing. Verse uh, verse 13. But Jesus said, you feed them. They say, now suddenly they had nothing. But now they said, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Something's not matching up here in this story. We've only got five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Now here's where it gets really interesting. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there was about 5,000 men there. Now I'll tell you something. If you look at that, I see the disciples had a bad attitude. They had a bad attitude. Jesus isn't expecting them and he's not expecting you to buy food to feed all this crowd. That is their limited perspective speaking. Let that sink in. We could learn a lesson here. Don't speak out of our, out of our, out of your limited, selfish perspective when Jesus is with you. What a question! Do you expect us to feed this huge crowd? It's going to cost a fortune. Jesus isn't expecting you to provide for people. Jesus isn't expecting you to do, to be the miracle. 
But he's expecting you to turn to him and see a miracle. To live in the supernatural. Living in the supernatural isn't what you can do. Oh, you know what? I think, I think we could pay off this church because my, 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 father, my father just died and I've got a great inheritance. Oh, we're going we're to step out in faith and pay for a brand new building because I know I have an inheritance coming. That's not faith. That's like the disciples saying, do you want us to pay for this? Or do we want to trust God for a miracle to take place? Jesus isn't expecting them to buy their way through this problem. It says in verses 16, I think verse 16 and 17, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So Jesus used the situation of nothing, of lack, of not enough, limited resource and he turned it into a supernatural encounter that blessed thousands of people that day. And as an example for us today, remember how the story all began all 12 came to Jesus we have nothing and if we find ourselves in that place of lack that place of nothing expect Jesus to provide the supernatural and when we expect that from God anything is possible Romans 4 verse 17 one last scripture for you this morning It says, this is what the scripture means when God told him, talking about Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I'll tell you something, I want to live in the new things that God creates from nothing, from out of nowhere, from nothing God creates new things. So just recently, a friend of mine called me, phoned me, only probably two weeks ago. He was upset. He was really emotional. Pastor's a a great church, one of the great churches in our state. And he just, he says to me, I just can't do this anymore. It's too hard. It's too many problems. Had a few, a few heavy hits. He says, I've got nothing left and he's crying on the phone what do you say in those situations he's a guy who I look to for help he's a guy I look to for for experience and 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 advice and he's saying I can't do this anymore because I've got nothing left everything's been taken out of me emotionally spiritually everything else he was dealing with people pressure he's dealing with the finance pressure in in the church he's he's got church pressure building pressure you know, facilities, pressure, all these things all on him at once. And he was facing his own nothing moment. Because inside he felt there's nothing left. I got nothing to give. I got nothing to give the people. I got nothing to give my family. I can't sleep at night. These are all the things he's telling me. Marriage is suffering. One of the things he said, he goes, this is the, for the church. He goes, we've got $700 in the bank. And the mortgage payment comes out on Tuesday. And I'll tell you, they needed a lot more than $700. He goes, I, I, got, I don't know what to do. I prayed with him. We prayed together. 
I encouraged him. He called me less than a week later, probably, I don't know, that, that may have been Thursday. He probably rang me on Tuesday. And he says, you know what? There's $20,000 in the bank. They can pay the bills. They can pay the mortgage. And everything has turned around. He said, I feel the, the, the church board have rallied around. The church has rallied around. Things have changed. It's like a diff- whole new beginning. Because out of his nothing, out of his emptiness, out of his brokenness, out of his hurt and his pain, he cried out to God. And God said, you know what? I see you've got nothing. I see you've got nothing left. It's just like he's got a few little bits of bread and a couple of fish to try and get through this. And Jesus says, I'll do the rest. Leave it with me. God brought something into the nothing and something into the not enough. That's a supernatural way God does something with nothing. So I want to encourage you this morning. Why don't you bow your heads with me? You don't need to know the limitation. You need to know the limitless of your God. You don't need to know the limitation. You don't need to know the lack. You need to know the limitless of your God. So today, I'm just assuming here, but there could be people here that you're in that place of limited perspective. Whatever that may mean in your circumstance, in your situation. Jesus is with you. You're thinking, but there's no rope, there's no bucket. How am I supposed to see the the provision of God in my life? Jesus is with you. Maybe you're thinking, but are you expecting me to do something? Are you expecting me to reach out to be everybody's answer? Like the disciples said, no. Jesus is not expecting you to be the answer for everybody's problem. It's time to let Jesus When you have nothing, it gives God space to be supernatural. Got no money? God wants to speak new things out of nothing. Got no one? God will speak new things out of nothing. Got no building? Got no equipment? Got no no plans? God wants to prophesy over your situation. There'll be new things out of nothing. So today... If you'll agree with Jesus, why don't you stand with me this morning if you, you know, if you can. Make a declaration. That we'll agree with Jesus as a church. You know, one of the great things about church is that we do things together. That's the whole thing. It's community. It's, it's union. It's strength. It's going on a journey together that we take ground for the kingdom of God. So today, I would love it if you, if you will, to agree with Jesus. Because we'll all come to times where we'll be like that woman at a well, thinking, well, I've got some deep needs in my heart, deep needs in my spirit, deep needs that can only be met supernaturally And we can find ourselves standing before God, find ourselves in church, 
find ourselves in the place where God is and saying, well, all I see is the limitations, Jesus. All I see is what you haven't got. If you'll say, Jesus, will you be my provision? Jesus, will you help me see the supernatural? Help me to see the spiritual need above the physical things that I can only see and feel and touch. You know something? You'll go on that journey. You'll take that first step of living in a supernatural, powerful life. Seeing God do new things out of nothing. If you feel, just reach your hands out. I want to pray for you this morning. So I don't know what your circumstance is, but if you if you need a breakthrough, if you need a change, you need to see the power of God move in your circumstance. I want to pray for that breakthrough this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, your word says that you are able to make new things out of nothing. We take that this morning and believe it in faith. I pray for every person whose hands are raised here this morning that you indeed will create new things out of the nothing in their life. That you'll bring new spiritual awakenings, new connections with people, new relationships, new business opportunities, new ways of even praying, Lord God. I speak and prophesy over the church this morning, a new day, new things, out of our nothing, Lord, I pray that you'll fill us with the things of the Spirit and awaken us to live closer and closer to you in a supernatural experience. I just thank you for that this morning and thank you for your church. Thank you that we are progressing and we're moving forward. We're taking ground. We're breaking free of the shackles of the past. And we say thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I just want to have one more thing before I'm finished. And that is for those people who here this morning, you need to make things right with God. You know you haven't been walking with God. Perhaps you've been away from God. Perhaps you've never ever been to church. I'm not sure. But you're thinking something stirred within me this morning. And I'd like to make my peace with God. Why don't we just bow our heads this morning. I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here this morning you want to make things right with God. Between you and God right now, you can just say, hey, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I want to live for you. I want to give my life to you. I want to give my, my talent to you, my, my gifts. I want you to use my life to make a difference so that I can enter eternity with a clean slate, born again. I want to pray for you this morning if that's you and you'll know who you are. You can perhaps come and see me straight after church. I'd love to pray with you in person, but I'm going to just pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are in that place this, this very day, this very minute, saying, Jesus, will you take my life? Jesus, will you, will you take the nothing? And make something. And Lord, I just pray today they'll know your forgiveness. I pray right now, now they'll know your purpose. I pray today that they'll know your forgiveness and the wholeness that comes to life when we give ourselves to, to serving and loving you. Lord, I just speak over their lives today and pray for that peace to come in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church.